glad for that freedom in Christ. Amen. We're not a slave anymore. Amen. We've been freed by the blood of Jesus. We're here today to worship God and proclaim our liberty that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're going to have your seats for right now. Amen. Certainly happy to have every one of you here this morning and in the service of the Lord together with us. Nice to have the Sislers with us from over in um, Ohio and all the other different ones that are here this weekend. We're just really that glad that you've come and you're part with us today. And God bless you. Um, we, uh, I just want to, you know, make a couple of announcements uh, this morning. One, uh, I'm looking for Brother Jeremy and Sister Sadie. Where are they? They're over there. Okay, well, y'all come on up here. We have Brother Jeremy and Sister Sadie that today we want to announce a very um, special event that is coming up this year. As you know, the years always bring changes and things that happens. And Brother Jeremy and Sister Sadie have um, pledged their vows to each other and want to be married on um, June the 20th this year. So they have uh, 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 made that agreement with one another and pledged in, in um, engagement to one to another. So we want to just congratulate them this morning and thank the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm just asking a special request of the Lord, just make them a whole family of singers. Amen. They're blessed the bride of Christ. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. And may the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. God has been really, really good to us, and we thank him. My, the other day, I, we had... Uh, um, and, I, and this is on the spur of the moment, but if anybody could throw up that picture for me of um, me and Sister Karen and our young people the other day, I'll tell you what, we are, we are so blessed to have a whole wonderful group of young people uh, that um, the Lord has blessed this church with. And I think there was uh, about a 70, 72 or more that was in that picture with us with a few missing. Three of them were young married couples. And uh, we're just thankful to the Lord for his goodness to us. I think, you know, when we um, started building this church some years ago now, and we had our first groundbreaking, I, I sang a song, you know, building up the temple for the Lord. And I turned around to the, all of those young people and said, we're building this for you. And so, you know, here we are in this time and being able to enjoy that. So what a, what a blessing it is that that we have um, these young people coming up with the youth camp, have a few cancellations that have been made. And so I, I just say to anybody out there listening, if you're not going, cancel quickly because uh, there's about 10 or 15 waiting in your place. So look at this wonderful group of young people. Amen. God bless you, each one of you. Amen. Amen. And of course, the youngest was the two on the front row there. 
Amen. And we're headed back to eternity because that's where we come from. I wanted to tell you that we have been in earnest prayer about our planned meetings to Japan and also the Philippines. And I have reached the point where that decision has to be made about our travel to both of those countries. As you know, the coronavirus has always already caused um, concern and actually hysteria among world governments and preventative actions and overreactions are happening worldwide as they tried to contain the virus. And as we speak, there have been restriction on travel and detaining of ships and airplanes. And, and of course, the problem is not the virus as much as it is the reaction, the hysteria, the travel restrictions of governments due to the, to the virus. And right now, now we know that they're not travel restrictions uh, from the United States to the Philippines or Japan. But there were others that had planned to come from um, some of the Far East nations, Nepal, India, um, uh, Indonesia, different places that had planned to attend the Japanese meetings that will not be able to attend. And already those in India who were planning to come have been told by their governments to expect a, at least a two-week detainment and quarantine upon their return to India because they have to travel through Hong Kong. And um, I spoke to Brother Murphy Wong, um, and he says that nearly all of China is quarantined and travel restrictions are being enforced, even local travel, to where that believers are reporting they cannot go out of their homes but maybe a couple of times a week uh, to go for supplies and um, they are checked for fever upon leaving their, their homes and have to report back in and actually get permission to go and come and return to their homes. Uh, they are also checked when they return. And uh, because of this, there is, uh, this, there is tremendous problems with shortage of food supplies as there's nothing left on the shelves. Meager food supplies are costing just for a couple of days supply over $300 US. And the streets are empty with no traffic, but just an occasional bicycle. And you know, meetings of any kind, like religious meetings, church gatherings, they're, they're prohibited. Pastors are gathering their churches with video conferencing and, and preaching to them that way. And, uh, but on a positive note, while all this is going on, the message is getting translated in record numbers because no one can do their irregular jobs. And so, um, you know, we're getting the message uh, printed or, or uh, translated and on the hub in record numbers. So, Brother Murphy um, has plans to and had plans to go into Congo with uh, Brother uh, Dioka to reach out to uh, Chinese uh, migrant workers uh, there. But due to the virus and the scare among the government, the meetings have been postponed indefinitely because of travel, again, some travel restrictions and so on. Brother Murphy, Brother John Lay, they both advised us to postpone the meetings for at least six months. So taking this advice into consideration also with travel concerns and detainment, which is one of our biggest uh, problems in the situation because 
Um, you know, if we would get detained in a third world country, well, it could be um, a very difficult situation. Right now, there is a, several cruise ships that are being detained. At least one I know uh, there in Yokohama, um, where that um, the, even the believers are reporting back to me that uh, there are people on there with the virus and they're being detained and everybody kept quarantined and, and they're, that they're not even being treated that well. So um, they're just forced to stay on the ship and basically held um, prisoner under quarantine un, until they can finally get this past them and released. And uh, so, you know, due to taking all this in considerations with travel concerns, detainment, Brother Ron's situation, we're postponing the trip, planned to Japan and the Philippines at this time. And this is, of course, in accordance with our goal to minister to as many Eastern and Asian groups from India, Burma, Korea, China, Nepal, and all of that, those believers that were going to meet us there in Japan. And I regret this inconvenience, but we're trying to use discretion and operate the best that we can. And so we ask for your prayers about this. It's not that we're not going. We just are going to have to put it on hold for a little while. I think, I think it was the Apostle Paul said that he had made a plans to go to a certain place, but Satan, he said, is hindered. So, you know, but we know God's bigger than Satan. And we know that in the end, all things will work together for the good of those that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. Amen. So I would that you would be in prayer with us about this situation. Also about the Chinese believers there. Uh, there there's got to be a lot of suffering there as uh, the economy is set down, shut down. Again, livelihoods are, are threatened. Um, the food supply and on and on and on. It's a very, very um, dire situation that many of those are finding themselves in at this time. And, and those are our brothers and sisters over there. And so we want to remember them in prayer. I, you know, I personally went there and met many of the ministers, had ministers meetings with them in underground churches, underground meetings uh, with, with them in China. And so, you know, I know even their present suffering uh, is greater than the sufferings that I, I, and the repression that I saw there when I visited that country. So I, you know, we want to keep these in prayer and ask the Lord so, to intervene on their behalf. And of course, stop the plague from, from reaching anyone, any believer. Amen. As we go forth in Jesus' name. If you'll stand together with me, we'll go to prayer now at this time. And we're going to remember this. I'm holding my hand today a little, um, a little part to, to go in a little stuffed toy. It's a little bean bag, really, but it's a cloth that we're, we're going to be, as Sister Sharon Ristler has asked us to pray over for her n nephew, um, Jet Ristler, that the Lord would touch this baby that's God with, that has um, life-threatening cancer. So, you know, if this was your child, your loved one, your nephew, your friend, you would want someone of faith to be praying for you. And I want you to bind together with me on the behalf for this child today, in Jesus' name. Amen. The needs of those that are in China, Japan, Philippines, those that are disappointed of us not coming. So let us, let us pray about these needs today. 
Father, as we bow before your throne of grace, we want to thank you that there is always grace, love, and mercy in our time of need. And we stand here today in thy name, commissioned of God for this end time, believing we have been sent here, ordained for this hour, for this time. Thou knowest every need, dear God. Thou knowest every situation, every heart's desire. Lord, you know the need for this little baby here that we hold this little item in our hands to go in a little stuffed toy to comfort a little child that is dying. You know what the doctors have said and the enemy has attacked. Lord, this family that needs to be united with you. Lord, we know many times, Father, things like this happens. And you use it as an opportunity to bring that person, that family to you. Tender their hearts in this moment. Lord, I, I just pray, God, that you'll undertake for this baby. If it was mine... Lord, I would certainly clutch it to my heart and pray the prayer of faith and ask the other believers to do the same. And so, Lord, today we just clutch this to our hearts and ask, Lord, you clutch it to yours because you are one who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity that you'll undertake for this baby, Lord. We rebuke this cancer and the cause of it and ask, Lord, now in the name of Jesus, you'll use even this to bring them, them to you, to know you, a living God. And Father, for the believers there in the Philippines and Japan, and Lord, I can only imagine the disappointment of hearing that we're not coming as we plan to do, but Satan has hindered us, sent a virus into the world, threatens world's economies, maybe even the economy of our own. Lord, thou knowest everything, but I know your God above all. And I ask that you will show yourself to be Jehovah provider for the needs of the Chinese believers who are in confinement and quarantine and held captive in their own cities and homes and towns. That you would move on the scene for your children everywhere. Lord, for those believers down in Japan, and Lord, over in the Philippines that are in need of you today that you would touch their lives and around the world. We believe you've got a bride around the world, Lord, a people you've called for your namesake. Wherever they're gathered today or have gathered, I pray your blessings upon them exceeding abundantly. Ever need supply, Lord, as we give all of this into your hands and commit our lives into your hands. And you know, Lord, even in part of this hindering, Satan has already struck down our brother Ron with some, some sickness. Doctors are fearing cancer and all of these things. That, and they're, they're looking and probing and wondering what to do and how to fix. But we realize that salvation is not of man. Salvation is of the Lord. And that no doctor can heal and no medicine they can give can heal. In fact, it tears down and destroys because of the knowledge that it contains evil with it. 
Lord, we pray for guidance, for leadership at this time. We pray for healing and deliverance in the name of thy holy child, Jesus, for your servant, Brother Ron, even for our Brother Aaron that is here that's been suffering things in his body. Lord, we are grateful, Lord, for your goodness to us. And when part of that goodness contains a promise that says, I am the Lord God that healeth all of thy diseases. So we take you at your word today that you are the healer. And because you are the healer, we can expect healing on our behalf. Because we know that it was, it was paid for at Calvary, and we receive it now individually, everyone for ourselves. I ask your blessings upon this service today and the needs of your people everywhere. Those of us among us, Lord, oh God, that are in the hospitals and those among us that are convalescent in homes and not able to come and, and, and situations like that. Our elderly, Lord, Father, ever need supply. You're, you're cognate of everyone. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you'll bless your people. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you now. Thank you for the word that we will open up the Bible today, open it to our hearts, and anoint it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. And we so appreciate all of the wonderful singing, worship to the Lord today, and asking God's blessings now upon all of the service today. And Amen. I pray that you... You have been coming praying as I've requested you to do and, and just dedicating yourself and, and, and just getting ready yourself individually so that God can move through your life. Amen. That you can be a tool that God would use in this end time. Not necessarily to preach as, as far as a pulpit ministry, but in whatever capacity that God would call you in to use you for his glory. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open, to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the hand of him that sat up on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having ever one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood and out of, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign 
on the earth. And then Daniel chapter 12, I want to read from the first verse. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even unto that time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. I'm going to be speaking today on our legal rights to the book of redemption. And I told you I'm going to be speaking several services about our legal rights. So we're going to just start here with some end time events and then work from there into even personally what our rights are as a believer. And I'll do this in subsequent services because we won't be able to get everything in one service. But um, as we, are, we have just read in the context of the Scripture, we know that the book of Revelation is a symbolic book. And, of course, it is, um, it is called also the Apocalypse, which is also known as the Unveiling. So it was something to, that was veiled to be revealed and reserved to the, to the end time. And when we really get down to it, the book of Revelation has been preserved until, for our time until there comes an understanding. And I believe that we're in the days of the understanding rather than in the days of the veiling. So it is now the unveiling, as Brother Branham would preach, the unveiling of God or the mighty God unveiled. And so we are in a time where things that was written in symbolic form becomes known to an end time people. And so the Lamb himself is symbolic of Jesus and his redeeming work. And here we see the Lamb standing to claim his rights to the book of the redeemed, the book of redemption. If we would look at the lamb, he's a very odd-looking lamb. He, uh, he, he looks there as with seven horns, seven eyes. All of these are, again, symbolic um, things that were written about the lamb and what he would do in his redeeming work. And um, certainly, because it we know Jesus is not a, an animal. He's not a woolly lamb. But this was something symbolic. So it's not really somebody with, or some creature, uh, odd-looking animal with, with uh, forked hooves or two hooves that reaches and gets the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne. But it is really symbolic of his redeeming work. And what he has been doing through the ages and what he is doing in the end time. And so, um, at Calvary, we know that Jesus did the purchasing work. And he purchased our salvation. He purchased our healing. He paid it in full. 
And, and of course, then the, the book of, of Acts, the, the conclusion of the book of Mark, tells how that he ascends and sits on the right hand of God. And he begins his intercessory work. Paul will explain in the book of Hebrews, he will tell how that, about the, the priesthood of Jesus Christ, that is not an Aaronic priesthood, but it is the priesthood of Melchizedek. Who, who had no father or mother, uh, who had no beginning of life or ending of days, and uh, he was the eternal one. And so he would be made a, a, a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so, again, um, as, he, as he does this, he continues to do his work of intercession. And we believe that even today he is still interceding on the behalf of his children and that he will continue to intercede until every child of God is manifested upon the earth and the last name is recognized in the book of redemption. And of course, um, that recognition is when God makes known to you who you are in Christ and, and identifies you as a believer. Now, Jesus does not have to cease one work to do another. Uh, he purchased, and that purchase works from, from the first age on down to the last age until every son or daughter of his is purchased, redeemed, and ready for the rapture. So there, there is the ongoing purchasing power of his blood today that is efficacious to, to purchase every sinner. I remember the day that he took me back from the devil, and he paid for it by the blood at Calvary. But one day at an altar, a, a, lie, a ruined life was redeemed. Amen. And, and Satan then had to take his hands off of me. And of course, we hear Brother Branham say something very similar to this in the future home. He said, one time I was his property, but not now, speaking of Satan. One time that little woman at the well was, that he referenced here, was his property, but not now. He came to loose the grip of it. He loosed the grip of sin, of Satan upon my life, upon your life, and now we are not his. How often have you heard me say in prayer, take your hands off of God's property? Amen. See, have faith to claim your own. That's your rights. Take your hands off of her. Take your hands off of him. See, faith will do it. Oh, my. Amen. And I, I say what a promise that remains today, that we can even say to Satan, take your hands off of God's property. If we have been redeemed by the blood, Satan has no right to us. He has no right to you. He has no right to remain in your mind. You can cast him out at any time. Amen. He certainly had no right to remain in your soul because your soul is redeemed and he's sealed out and can't get back in. He has no right to come into your body. Amen. It's your house and it's been purchased by God. And your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. It's for God's dwelling place, not for Satan to dwell in. So we have a right to tell the devil, get off of God's property. 
amen, that you have been purchased by Christ. You are the purchase of the blood of Jesus. The Bible said in 1 Peter 1.19 that you are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen. So we are purchased by the blood. And that blood still has purchasing power. Amen. And there comes that time in your life where you are, you are bought back from the devil. You can remember, you can point back to a time in your life where you were dead in sins and trespasses, but you were bought from sin's grip and from the, and from the, from the grip of darkness and death, and you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you no longer belong to any devil. Amen. He has no claim on you. And you have a right now as a son or a daughter of God to anything and everything that Jesus paid for. In fact, the whole book of redemption is yours. The whole promise of every word, the entire inheritance belongs to you as a believer. You are very wealthy and rich. You're not impoverished. You've got so many blessings laying right in the word. And most of you are living below your privileges and need to look in there and see what belongs to you. Amen. Now, Jesus, as the Lamb, will keep on purchasing and interceding as long as there's one name on the book of life that has not been redeemed. And this, uh, this is the purpose of his intercession, to, to make sure and to guarantee that every name of the, upon the book that was written in glory before the foundational world is purchased in their time and their age in which they live. This purchasing work would work down through the ages. It works right now in our age. It is, it is afforded to every person today who is still lost in sin. Amen. And, but finally, we are now in the hour of not just his um, purchasing work, nor just his intercessory work, but we are in the hour of his claiming work, where he stands as pictured here in Revelation 5, taking the book. And, and, of course, he will do this literally when he calls the names of those book, those in the book, into a rapture. Because, you see, the, the believers are the book. Just as the Lamb represents Christ, the book represents all that is redeemed. And so when he literally claims the book, and that's still a future event, that he will liberate everyone from the power of death. And when he does, we will be changed from mortal to immortality. Amen. And not only the living will be changed, but the dead in Christ will rise first. But today we are in the time of his revelation when it is no longer symbols. But it's now the time of the claiming the book 
to reveal its contents and to loose the seven seals. And as he does, he sends the revelations down to the seventh angel on earth so that this book will be open to the believer. Amen. So now, again, what is this? It is the opening of the will and the testament to every believer. So that you can stand as the Lamb is doing and take the title to the book and inherit its promises. And that's where we're at at this time because we must take our inheritance and claim what God has provided by redemption. Amen. And so the hour has come to claim our rights. I want to say that one more time because I want these words to have impact. Amen. The hour has come to claim our rights. This is where we're at. We are in the claiming hour where that a people are rising to claim what Christ has done for us. Are you with me? Now, I, you know, I'm going to share this little quotation, and it's in a prayer but, uh, of Brother Branham's, but I want to just kind of uh, bring it down to the in his prayer. He said, Heavenly Father, the hour is here, um, and the building's warm, but the, it's the time. Uh, the time has come. And I remember once, our dear Lord, when you looked up and said, Father, the hour is come. The hour has come for what? Oh, God, the hour has come now for the people to believe. Amen. Can we say that this morning? The hour has come for the people to believe. If there's ever going to be a believers, there's got to be people to rise to the occasion. Jesus looked ahead and he wondered, will I find faith on the earth? He didn't say, will I find buildings with my name on it or churches who gather in my name. He said, will I find faith? This is what God is looking for in this day, someone to believe. Amen. Because there's got to be someone to believe him in order to love him. You cannot love him and not believe him. And you cannot be married or united to him as a bride to the groom without love. And that requires faith. Amen. So the hour has come to believe. The hour has come for the falling away of the church. And can we see that? The hour has come where religion would spread around the world without salvation. And can't we see that? Even, even many message churches are affected by that. They got religion and no salvation. Form a godliness denying the power thereof. The hour has come. The hour has come for your church to rise. Amen. The hour has come for you raise up out of the dust and shake herself and come to herself and realize positionally that she is the church of the living God and has rights over every redemption blessing that you promised to her. They are hers tonight. God, the hour has come. Amen. Now grant it, Lord. And the hour has come now at this hour to pray for the sick. He was about to have a prayer line. And Almighty God, I pray you'll send your angel tonight. He may go through this building and heal so many sick people that tomorrow there'll be 
former formal wells stopped up everywhere and testimony going everywhere and people are testifying of the glory of God and let them know that the church of God is rising and spreading her wings for that great flight that's coming. God may men move away from them, wish and them wish and hope tonight until a perfect understanding of God's plan and be healed. Amen. God move us away from wish and hope to faith. To where so we start believing. So we start expecting. Amen. When we hear of calamities coming, when we hear of sickness striking, amen, when we hear of it striking down our, our ministry, our, our people, and everywhere, it's time for a people, when we look at those things that we change from, I hope, I wish, it could be, you know, but to a people who says, I believe. That it's God's will to heal every disease. It's God's will to cast out every devil. It's God's will to, for people to stand on his word and proclaim it and say, it's mine. It's my inheritance. It's my promise. It's for me. It's for my children. It's for my unsaved loved ones. It's for all. And I'm waving that in the face of the devil. you is for your children it's for them that are far off amen it's for the lost and the unsaved and it's for the prodigals to come back home it's for healing it's for deliverance right down to the smallest child we're not to break and run we're to stand Michael stood up. The lamb stood up. It's time that you stand up. It's the devil that's supposed to be running. Read your Bible. Amen. Does you, do you see anywhere in the Bible that we're instructed to run from the devil? But I am instructed to submit myself to God and to resist the devil and he'll run. So who's supposed to be the one running in this hour? It ain't us. It's a time that we stand like we never stood. Amen. As Martin Luther would say in his day when he resisted the Roman Catholic Church, here I stand and I can do none other. Now, you see, it is, it's the devil to be, that is supposed to be running. It's his time to run. It is his time to scream. Don't torment us. Don't make us leave. I mean, it happened frequently under Brother Bradley's ministry. As Brother Timothy pointed out Wednesday night, you know, here is a stream going from this one to that one, a dark shadow, and there's voices that are being heard in that other dimension screaming, oh, you know, help me, help me, help me, help me to keep him disbelieving, or I'll be made to leave. Because the devil is powerless. 
if he doesn't have something to work through. Amen. So you see, he don't want to lead. So he's going to try to resist, but it's up to you to submit yourself to God, resist the devil, so he'll be the one running, not the church backing down. It ain't a time to back down. It's a time to proclaim this word harder than we ever had. Preach healing more than we ever have. Preach salvation for the lost more than we ever have. You say, mercy's over. That's your problem, not mine. Mercy's never been over for me. I've never preached mercy over, and I never will preach mercy over. As long as I'm preaching, there's going to be mercy. You say, how do you know that, Brother Tim? Because the only time I'll ever preach is a mortal. Ha, ha, ha. That's the only time I'll ever preach as a mortal. And when I change the immortality, mercy will be over. But until then, there's going to be mercy. And I'm going to preach mercy. I'm going to preach a God rich in mercy. Amen. And, I, and when the seals are open to me, as they should be to you, we're going to preach to be pardoned. God rich in mercy. He cares, do you care? Convinced and concerned. We're going to preach, amen, of a, of a God who, who is a God of grace, a God of mercy, who heals, who delivers, who saves. And he'll save to the uttermost. Hallelujah. Isn't it great, friends? That, that there's still hope for your loved ones? There's still mercy? Amen. And even some who won't even make it in the rapture, that there's still some in the great tribulation, a multitude without number. I'm telling you, well, amen, this God, his ways is past finding out. Amen. He, he is one who said, I'm not willing that any should perish. I'll do everything I can to save them, make every provision for the Jew, for the Gentile, for all. Even after the bride is carried home, 144,000 sealed over there of the Jewish people. What is that? God's mercy. That he don't forget anything. And he won't forget you. And he won't forget your need. And he won't forget your loved one. And his arm is not too short that it can't save. I don't care how far that boy, that girl has wandered out in sin. This arm of God can reach right out. And in a moment's time, change the whole picture. Brother Branham said, what's what is the church scared about? I've often, I've always wondered what's the matter with the Pentecostal people. He said they got enough faith to blow up the world. Hello, somebody. I, I, you know, they got enough faith for all kinds of healing, but they're just afraid to use it. That's the devil. If we could break that shadow of blackness from the people, something's going to happen. And he said, that's my purpose here. And I just want to say, that's my purpose here. 
to break that shadow of blackness that's trying to hold back God's promises. Because I got news for the devil. The Holy Spirit has been released by the seventh angel message back to the church again with the fullness of the pillar of fire. Are you with me? He said, now I find two classes of people. One's fundamentalist. Positionally, they know where they are by accepting Christ, positioned in him, but they ain't got no faith. And I find Pentecostals a lot of faith, but don't know who they are. And he said, it's like a man got money in the bank and can't write a check. And the other one that ain't got no money in the bank and he can write a check. He said, if you ever could ever get the two together. I believe something's coming together. Amen. I believe it comes together in this message. Amen. Where we know our position and we know how to write a check. Amen. He said, if I could just get the Pentecostal people to realize they're sons and daughters of God, sitting in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus, that God foreknew before the foundation of the world and has ordained us to preach, what are you scared about? There's no matter what it is, swing out there, take God's word and believe it. In other words, this is the hour to stand. He said again, just reading a few of these, he said, if you could ever get the scare out of the church, and the devil has done great work at putting the scarecrows. We got scarecrows against divine healing. Amen. We got scarecrows against the prayer lines. We got scarecrows against altar calls. We got scarecrows about the move of God and people worshiping and the joy of the Lord and somebody's afraid that you're going to be fanatical. Well, I'm just going to say it's time we get fanatical. Amen. It's time we get, we get happy about what we have and realize. When you go to realizing what you got, then you get happy about it. It's the people who don't realize what they got. They got a wheel that has never been opened to them. And I just got a problem with people saying today the book is unsealed and it's got less power in it now than when it had before it was open. If it's open, then it's got more power, more blessings. Because we know more, we see what our inheritance is, and we can claim it as our, of our own because it's been given to us. I'm going to take a drink while you get on board. It ain't wine, but I wish it was new wine. And I hope I'm, I'm believing it's going to get poured over this congregation this morning. And I hope there's enough, enough wine bottles in here that has emptied out the world enough. That when he pours it out, amen, that you got your funnel up and ready to receive it. Hallelujah. He says again, he says, but you're scared, you're afraid, you don't realize you're sons and daughters of God. And now, not we will be, we are now sons and daughters of God, not we out in the future, and we won't be sometime in the future sitting in heavenly places, but now we're sitting in heavenly places right now, 
and now we are sons and daughters of God, and it doesn't appear yet what we will be in the end, but we know we'll see him, but we'll have a body like his, we'll see him as he is, but now we are sons and daughters of God, and the covenant is made to Abraham and his seed after him. Hallelujah. The covenant is ours. So, we see in our opening scripture, Jesus, the Lamb, claiming title, claiming his rights. John said, I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and of the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. That's seven horns, seven eyes. We will find these are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth, these eyes. And the seven horns, let me quote from the prophet of God. The seven horns means seven ages. Cause a horn means a kingdom. So it's seven ages with the seven horns. And seven churches are dispensations of the body of believers. I just want to say, I'm represented in the Lamb. Are you represented in the Lamb? We see the messengers represented in the Lamb, seven eyes. The seven horns representing the seven churches, which are symbolic of seven ages. So again, we are all represented and identified in the Lamb. Amen. So, now if the lamb stands, he has to stand with his seven horns. He cannot stand and leave his horns on the ground. Horns are part of him. Is that right? So, the, 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 so if he stands with the seven horns, which are, represents seven dispensational ages of the church, then if the lamb stands to take the book and loose its seals and the horns moves with the lamb to claim title to Adam's lost inheritance. Somebody with me now. So in Daniel 12, when Michael stood up, the dead that were in the grave stood up also. Hallelujah. It's resurrection and lifetime. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And though you were dead, yet shall you live. That, and that's more than a sermon. It's a message. Our message, our message today is that he is the resurrection and the life. Brother Bradham said that, that the bride coming up out of dark denominationalism was like a resurrection in the end time. In the bride coming of Christ. And she raises up out of the tombs of denominationalism to show and declare that I am he that was dead and I am alive forevermore. And you'll never put me back in a tomb of another denomination again. You'll never seal me away. And I'll never go back down to death. But I'm alive forevermore. And this bride will not go down defeated. And she will not be put away in a grave. But she's going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And that's the end time message. 
I am alive. I am not dead. For the first one out of the graves, out of the denominationalism, we have come back to life again. The dry bones are living. Called to life by message in the last day. Now, you're still dry bones, that's your problem. But if you've got ears to hear, you're going to quit being dry bones. Daniel chapter 12, where we read, we see that again, when Michael stood up, the dead that were in the grave stood up. And it's time for the dead, now listen carefully, and yet at the same time, do more than listen. Because it's really, really important that you you respond properly when you hear the word of God and accept it for yourself. But it's time for the dead and the barren wombs to, to live. From the wombs of barren women to, to bring forth the joy of life and claim the names in her book. Can we say that? Can we say that it applies? Come on now, it is time for, for, the, for, the, for the barren, the wombs of the barren souls to bring forth the joy of life and claim the name, the names of her lost sons and daughters and return of every prodigal back to the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, uh, you see, again, it is the time for the womb of the church to bring forth Jesus back to earth. And every name written in the book to stand to their feet, changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. We're in the hour for it. Yeah, I know the other day I just buried one of our loved ones, but I would just want to say to you, I still stand on the scripture that 1 Thessalonians 4 is not just a funeral text. Amen. It is a prophecy of an end time people. And I want you to look at yourself as the interpretation of that prophecy. That I am the alive and remain through the coming of the Lord. And I have accepted his word. And I'm not going to hinder the rest of them from the grave from coming up again. But there will be a bride standing on her feet without spot, without wrinkle, without a blemish. It's time for death to give way to victory. And those wrapped in the grave cloths to throw them off. We're not to be a dead church. God has been waiting for us to die to the creeds, the ideas of man and stand. And it's the hour that we must take a stand. The Lamb stood to take the seals off the book. And has sent us back the abstract. That every age has had the title, but this is the age of the abstract. Where, where, that, where that every promise is now made clear to belong to you. 
I, I just want to just share a little quotation as we, as we look at this point and go forward. This is a message from Brother Branham of the great warrior Joshua. And, and so, you know, as, as we speak about this, I, I want you just to think of this. That supernaturally, now the church, that's the body of the Lord Jesus, he says, is the shadow as it was of the natural physical body of the Lord. Now, so the church is his shadow on the earth. Are you with me now? So he says, if healings, if power, if visions, if the things that Christ had in him has gone out of his shadow, then Christ is paralyzed. So his natural body sits paralyzed because that if his physical body moves, his shadow will move with it. And he says, if we are in Christ by Holy Ghost baptism and by the way of the, the body of Christ moves, it'll move uh, the same way on earth for th this, the church is a shadow of his body. So now, so as we're, we're thinking of this, I want, I want just, to, just to stop for a moment and let's emphasize what he's saying. He says, the body of Christ in heaven, as he moves, the church moves on earth. So if there's no visions, there's no miracles, there's no healing, then it's obvious then that Christ has to be paralyzed in heaven. I wonder if this is why some of these guys are preaching that Christ is laying there comatose. Because they don't have any healing miracles or signs in their church. So obviously to them, they have to place Christ as comatose. But that ain't Bible. That's some man's excuse. They make excuses for why God ain't in the church. By trying to make the high priest Christ powerless and render him ineffective. So therefore, there doesn't have to be any movement in the church. And the church sits dead at 12 o'clock midnight. Twice dead and plucked up from the roots. And they have no miracles. They have no signs. They have no wonders. They have no healing. There's no tongues. There's no interpretation. There's no gifts of the Spirit. Because their Christ is a dead Christ. But that's not my Christ. That's a Christ of their own homemade theology. But that's not the Christ of the Bible. The Bible said he ever liveth. He's living right now. And he can be touched. He can feel your infirmities. He's not a comatose God sitting on a throne somewhere. He's a living God. A present God. A healer God. A saving God. A delivering God. Your God might be dead, but mine ain't. Your God may be comatose on a throne somewhere and unable to do anything about present situation, but mine ain't. That's the Jesus that's hatched out by some of these guys that are too smart and too big for their own britches. But that's not a believer. That's an unbeliever. 
Let me finish reading the quote. Now, taking it out of the things of the world predestinated by God, uh, called of God, elected by God, chosen of God, saved by God, baptized in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit feeling, and made members of the body, this body alive, ready, willing. My shadow will move every time anything of my body moves. That's true. If I move my hand, my shadow moves. All right? So, and the, and the Holy Spirit body of Christ, the church, will move just as Christ moves. And if Christ in heaven can ever get his spiritual body on earth moving as he wants it to move, watch for things to happen. And it's beginning to come to life. They paralyzed it long enough, but the Holy Spirit is bringing life to it. And it's beginning to wake up and beginning to move because it sees its position. Hallelujah. Now then, let me bring it home to you for the purpose of our text this morning. If Christ, the Lamb in heaven, has stood to take the book and claim redemptive rights, then his shadow, the church on earth, must move on earth doing the same thing. We must take the book, redeemed by the Lamb, by his own blood, and claim our redemptive rights. If that's what he's doing in the heavens, that's what the bride's got to be doing on earth. If he's standing to take a book and claim his high rights, amen, and open it up, then it's time for you on earth to be exactly as the one in the heavens, his shadow on the earth, and you stand up and you claim the book and claim your redemptive rights. Hallelujah. And you can't do it with a closed book. So everything that closes it, everything that seals it away from the believer has to be removed. Where that the, every promise in the book becomes known to you and it's yours to claim. Hallelujah. So if Jesus is claiming the book, I'm claiming the book with him. Hallelujah. It's the mighty crescendo of the shout. Turn with me to Revelation 10. We'll bring verse 1. I'm just going to go through this chapter because it speaks of anointing. This is not, this is not some 900-foot-tall fictitious Jesus that Oral Roberts crafted. This is not some giant that's got his feet on the land and on the sea. This is symbolic of him taking possession. And he's got his feet on the earth and on the sea, the land and the sea, which represents the, which, from which comes two powers in the end time. And when there's a lot of time we could spend on all of these, but for the sake of preaching today and not trying to teach, I won't go into all of them. But in Revelation 10 verse 1, and I saw another mighty angel. Now, this is what he has done. When he says, I saw another mighty angel, he had already in Revelation 9 seen the mighty Apollyon. And Apollyon was, you know, was um, 
was a spirit that rose up that was the king over the bottomless pit. And then there was the loosing of the spirits in the bottomless pit and things that was reserved for the end time. And of course, in there, I'll tell you what, give me Revelation 9, verse 1 and 2, because I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to do a little more teaching and, and preaching after all. But look at this. And the fifth angel sounded, I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. I want you to notice this coordinates with Revelation 12 of the fall of Satan from heaven. And if you notice, it was not a, an angel descending. It was, an, it was a star falling. All right? So he falls from a position which he has held over man as the prince of the power of the air. And he comes down and he has permission or the authority to open the bottomless pit. And that's the age that we're living in. Where that there is actually... Satan has been given permission to bring forth demons that were reserved in chains until this time. They were been reserved uh, and held down. The Bible said they were held in the river Euphrates, which is again a symbolic uh, of the dividing line between Babylon and the promises of God. So you see, they were held trying to get over into the promise, but they could not do it. And they're held captive there to the end time. And they come then and are loosed and they bring their persecution in a physical manner against the Jews in a supernatural manner against the bride. And we're under tremendous persecution supernaturally. Even though it's not so much physically in that we're hauled away to jail and, you know, you got to get your backpack and run and all the other stuff because that's not our allotment. Our allotment is a rapture, not a tribulation. He's going to catch us out in the nick of time. Are you with me? Amen. So we're, we're not prophesying you into tribulation. We're not even worried about running from the, from the Antichrist. We are standing. Not running. We have the lamb is standing, not running. The bride stands. Are you with me now? So he opened the bottomless pit to come a smoke, a blinding delusion out of the pit. And the Bible tells you in 2 Thessalonians 2 that there will be a blinding delusion in the last days. Because that people don't have a love for the truth, that they're turned over to a reprobate mind. To do what is unseemly. So as you see right here, the smoke of a great furnace. And this smoke goes down and it permeates like smoke does into every crevice of humanity. So we see it moving right out. Who? I don't want to get in politics. But who would ever thought we'd have a gay man that could even be considered as a president of the United States. Whoever would have thought we would have a communist socialist that could boldly stand up and want to lead America into communism? Who could have ever thought it? Who could have thought we would have such liberals lined up in our halls of Congress until the point there is no discerning of even life itself. 
And the sacredness of life is not even sacred anymore. Who, who would have ever thought, let me get on the other side. Who would have ever thought we'd have a round, you know, a rascal, a scallywag in the, in the, in the presidency that would, would actually have, have more gumption about him than some of these others who are bald-faced, blatant, open sinners. Who would ever thought that, that, but we're seeing America change as from Revelation 13, where she is prophesied. Revelation 13, there's 13 stars, 13 stripes, you know, and she's a woman, and it's based on the number 13, found in the 13th chapter of Revelation. And she raises up like a lamb, but then begins to speak like the dragon. So she starts off in freedom of religion and she winds up over here as a dragon. Speaking like the devil. An advocate of death. Hell. And every imaginable sin. She opens the bottomless pit and the roses smoke out of the pit. And the sun... Now, over here in, the, in Revelation 10, his face, as it were, the sun, shining in the street. Here, the sun, the word is blocked out by these, and they are in delusion. And the air, that's your atmosphere, is darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And under the cover of all of this, every kind of demon spirit raises up millions of them, out of the bottomless pit. Now, the Bible gives them a number of thousands of thousands, but it really is, in the Greek, it's innumerable. There's so many, we couldn't count them all. So we just give them a big number. And, then, and there's so many of them, and here they are, permeating the people of the earth. So now, you know, Paul, I mean, John now, is, is looking at all this. His name is Apollyon. And he's a, for you boys, his name is also Abaddon. He's Abaddon. You'll get that. You got it. He's Abaddon. And there, there he rises up. And he's a leader of this rebellion that we're seeing around the world. And it comes down into every facet of life. And it touches every race. It touches every home. It touches all people. And it's a blinding delusion. Amen. And so the word is, and the atmosphere is darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. So now here he says, I see this happening in the earth. I see more unbelief rising than ever. I've seen sin reach a height that has never before. Somebody with me? It gets described in the book of Revelation that her smoke of her, uh, you know, of her sins rather, rises up before the throne of God. And then I want you to notice in Revelation 10, 1, 
And then he is, he's reflecting. He says, you know, it concludes in Revelation 9, the worship of every kind of, of God, an evil thing, and you can imagine the confusion and stuff. But look, after that, look, he says, but I want you to see something different. I want you to see that Satan hasn't won. I want you to see that there's somebody else in the equation. And I saw another mighty angel. Hallelujah. I want to say to you, look away from Apollyon. Look away from Abaddon. Look away from the spirits and their smoke and their torment and all of that. And get a look at this. I saw another mighty angel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Clothed with a cloud, a rainbow in his head. His face, oh, was in the brilliance of a sun. His countenance, it's all open. It's not a closed book. His look, his face. His word is shining in his power. Amen. And his feet, oh, his body has got the Holy Ghost. They are as pillars of fire. And he takes and places his feet on the earth and the sea. And he holds down the power of those, that enemy. And he's got in his right hand of power a little book. And it's not closed. It's open. There is an anointing that has come down. Hallelujah. I, I could preach right now. Amen. There's an, a mighty angel that we're under the anointing of. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, Moses tried to meet Pharaoh without the anointing. But once he got in the midst of the pillar of fire, amen, he was a different man. He comes now anointed with a mighty angel. Hallelujah. And under that anointing, he defeats Egypt. He speaks the word. He opens up Red Seas. Every hindrance has to go because he's under an anointing. I'm trying to tell you this morning, you are anointed for victory. You are anointed for war. You are anointed to overcome. You are anointed to put your foot on every devil and every demon underneath that devil. Hallelujah. I am preaching to the anointing of the Lord this morning. A people who know their God and shall do exploits. A people who are anointed for an end time prophecy. Hallelujah. And he had in his hand a little book open. I want you to know every believer has that book in his hand. And I'm going to show you in the scripture. And he had in his hand. Verse 3 says, and he cried with a loud voice. Now this word cried means he shouted with a loud voice. As when a lion roareth. So you see, it is a shout. This is the end time prophecy. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. His coming is in three different phases. 
You say, his coming is in a moment, twinkling of an eye. No, no, that's the change of the body in a moment, twinkling of an eye. His coming is in stages. He will come as the word coming to a prophet. He will come from the word to the word being made flesh. And then he will come as the groom to take away that word, that bride, that book into the heavens. Now, so you see, the rapture is, is exactly like the first coming. The first coming started with a prophet, a restorer, right? Amen. A prophet who began to announce the, the coming of the Messiah. The end time prophecy happens the same way. Behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So before I burn it, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet. His purpose will be to turn hearts back to the faith of the fathers. This will be his purpose. John would have that similar purpose when he would come forth and he, he, would, he would prepare the heart of the fathers there to receive the children. And this way, that God does exactly the opposite. He prepares the hearts of the children to receive the message of the apostolic fathers. So we return back to the original truth in the last days. How many is with me now? So now, so he shouts as a lion roareth. You know, because the lion roars, everything else has to shut up. Because he is the final say. Now, when this mystery is given to a prophet, I want you to notice it also is, comes in a, in a way. Look at Revelation 10, 7. Now, this shows, what we have read shows when he takes the book, he cries with a loud voice as the lion roareth. And, and verse 7, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. So now we see the seventh angel has got to have a voice. There's got to be a message come. When he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants the prophets. So every age has looked for this day. And so this, when this mystery is given to a prophet, the seventh angel, then he sounds, it's like the blast of a trumpet, and he shouts out his message, finishing the mysteries of God. Amen. Now, again, verse 8. Now, notice now. So now we have moved as we go. We've had the shout of the mighty angel. We have the voice of the seventh angel. Now look. And Revelation 10, 8, and the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. And he said, take it, eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And as I took I took the little book out of the hand of the angel, or the angel's hand, and ate it up, and it was in my mouth as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter, and he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So when John takes the book, now again, we're looking at something. Watch your symbols. Because John is representing the redeemed. Yeah. 
Now remember, he does this in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, that John, he is caught up at the end of the ages after Laodicea concludes, and he is caught up, a door is open into heaven, and he hears a trumpet talking to him, says, come up hither. And John says immediately that I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in the heavens. So you can see it all is a type. It concludes when the Laodicean age finishes and concludes, it will conclude with a rapture. And it hadn't happened yet. We may be in processes of it, and we are, but it hadn't happened yet. Are you with me? Amen. But John here represents, he is symbolic of the believers. It's not just him. He's representing us all. So now he takes the book and he digests the book. And he symbolizes in the bride of Christ. When we take the book, then we too shout. Amen. We, there is a message. We're prophesying again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Now, the tendency, now listen to me real carefully. The tendency of the message believers has just simply been to take Revelation 10, 7 out of Revelation 10, the chapter 10, as though it was separate from the other parts of that scripture. Revelation 10, 7. Let's look at it. This is not a standalone verse. This is a part of a process of happenings. It is not all that God's doing in the end time, sending a prophet. It is only part of what God's doing in the end time, though it's an important part. We'll not underemphasize that. But the tendency of believers has been to take this scripture just as out of chapter 10 as though it were separate from the other parts of that scripture, but it's not a standalone verse. Revelation 10, 7 focuses on the sounding of the voice of the seventh angel and the finishing of the mysteries. But as I said, sin and a prophet was only part of what God is doing in the end time. Now, you cannot have Revelation 10, 7 happening in this age without also having Revelation 10, 1 as the mighty descending of the mighty angel anointing coming down amen, with the once sealed but now open book and present right now and claiming possession and title by putting the, body, the feet of his bride body as pillars of fire on the land and the sea with the beast and the powers of hell underneath his church's feet. Right. 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 Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. It just strikes me right there, church. In the first picture, it shows these demons. It shows the king of the bottomless pit. But in Revelation 10, it shows them all under your feet. Hallelujah. Why get stuck in Revelation 9 when we can look in Revelation 10 and see these evil demons are now beneath us? That God has given you power over the American spirit and over, the, and over that Roman spirit. 
Come on. Those two spirits that rises out of the land where there were no people, which was America, and the other out of the sea where there was multitudes of kindreds and tongues and people. And yet God gives you power over all of them. Amen. Why then fear the devil? He's under your feet. Why then fear the smoke and the torment and all that others are going through this age when he's under your feet? And Revelation 10, 8, or excuse me, Revelation 10, 7, it, it's, it happens in this age as, as we are anointed by Christ in this end time. Where was that anointing? That was the anointing of Jesus Christ and the ministry of Jesus Christ in the seventh angel's message. We saw the ministry of Christ repeat itself. The healings, the miracles, the dominion over sin and diseases and evil. Come on, didn't we see that? But now you can't, and here we go, you can't have Revelation 10, 7 without having Revelation 10, 8. Of a people also rising to claim in the book of their inheritance and after digesting it and keeping it down. You, you know, there are a lot of people try to eat it and they can't keep it down. Come on. Amen. But you've ate it and you've kept it down. And yeah, there's some of it's been difficult to swallow. Some of it's a little difficult to keep down. But we just keep swallowing it down. Amen. And it, yeah, it, it makes your belly bitter. But I'm going to tell you, it'll also begin to work on the inside. It's churn on the inside of you until it comes out as a prophecy. Thou must prophesy again. Hallelujah. Amen. So just as, just as Brother Branham had a ministry, so will the bride prophesy and do the mighty works of God. Now, these, these, um, this all has to do with the word bride. Now, remember, I want to remind you, true doctrine has its miracles. Because people are claiming doctrine and true doctrine, and there's no miracles. But you cannot have true doctrine and not have miracles. Signs must follow believers. God went with them confirming the word with signs following. So signs must follow the word. If we got the word, there must be signs. So don't tell me you got the word and, oh, we don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We don't believe in speaking in tongues. We don't believe in prophesying. We don't believe. We don't believe. Well, that's right. You don't believe, but I do. And there's a difference. But you see, true, true doctrine has miracles. Doctrines, let me establish it. Without miracles is false doctrine. It is not the doctrine of Jesus. Mark chapter 1 verse 27. And they were all amazed and so much that they questioned among themselves saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? 
For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. This is the trademark of true doctrine. Now, so a word bride will be a bride known that she has the word by her miracles. Because God is always known by her miracles, by his miracles. Now, listen, listen to this. In the Patmos vision, Brother Branham says, uh, Paul said the word came in power as well as voice. The word preach actually demonstrated itself like a flaming cutting sword. It went to the consciousness of men. And like a surgeon's knife, it cut out the diseases and set the captives free. And everywhere those early believers went, they went preaching the gospel, the word, and God confirmed that word with signs following. The sick were healed. Devils were cast out. They spoke in new tongues. That was the word in action. That word has never failed in the mouths of believing Christians. And in this last age, it is here stronger and greater than ever in the true word bride. Oh, little flock, you little minority, hold on to the word. Fill your mouth and your heart with it, and someday God will give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. So the word has never failed. And it will not fail in this last age. It'll be in the mouth of believing Christians. I'm telling you what, there's got to be a people in this day that gets ready to speak to their mountains. Doesn't matter what they are, speak to them. Amen. Brother Branham again said when Jesus was on earth, he said, Believest thou not, I'm in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. John 14, 10. Therefore, here is most evidently set forth the perfect manifestation of God in the Son was by the indwelling Spirit manifesting in, in word and works. And this is exactly what we have been teaching all along, when the bride will get back to being a word bride. And that's what we're hearing. We're hearing it from all corners. you got to be the word. It's the word now, Brother Tim. It's the word. You know, it, it, it's the word. we we got to have the word. You know, it's now the word. All right? So when the, the bride will get back to being a word bride, she will produce the very works that Jesus produced. The Word is God. The Spirit is God. They're all one. And one cannot work apart from the other. If one truly has the Spirit of God, he will have the Word of God. And the truth is, if you have the Word, you're going to have the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, you have to have the manifestation. And you'll know if the Spirit is there by the manifestation. If there is no manifestation, there's no Word there. It's all creeds, dogmas, ideas of man. Signs must follow them that believe. Amen. Again, he says, and if the church is the true church, it will have the very same spirit and word and acts of power that they had at Pentecost. And by experience, it will be a Pentecostal church. How's that for your nostalgia? 
Amen. By experience, it will be a Pentecostal church. It's a shame people call that nostalgia instead of something in his present tense. But for some, that's all you got is nostalgia. You remember what used to be, but you have nothing present now. You have no power, you have no life, and you have no healing and no miracle, and no signs follow them, them that believe. Let me read it. And if the church is the true church, how I many says I'm part of that true church? It will have the very same spirit and word and acts of power that they had at Pentecost. By experience, it will be a Pentecostal church and there will be tongues and interpretation and prophecy and healings and God will be in her midst and God will declare himself in the midst of her as he always has, hallelujah, and she will be unorganized. Don't forget that. So all you kingdom builders, go line up somewhere else. You don't belong in the bride. Amen. Now, I just want to go on record this morning. And I'm I don't have an axe to grind. I'm just saying. I want to thank. I want to thank my critics and my friends who call me Pentecostal. Because I am Pentecostal. And please don't say I lean Pentecostal. Or that I got one foot in Pentecost. Because you see, you know, it's like a pedigreed horse. He knows where he come from. He can search his, his, his records back all the way back. Amen. You know, I... I, I I've done a little study. Let me just stop for a minute and take a rest. Done a little study on my own ancestry. And you know, you know, I, you, you always wonder where you come from. And just recently I traced my, the Pruitts all the way back to, to Virginia, there in the, up in the Shenandoah Valley. I probably can to you, Brother Ron. But more on the spirit side than the physical. But anyway... You know, I, 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 we had a little something going on. You know, there was some blood tests that went on to kind of find out our DNA. And Sister Jessica thought, you know, surely the Adams would descend from the presidents. You know, surely, you know, we could go back to John Adams and John Quincy. And, you know, she, she just had all of these wonderful feelings, you know. We're going to be, we're presidential. I know Joe, he's, I've married a descendant of the president. And he gets a blood test and comes up with relatives he didn't know about. And he finds out he's not an Adams after all. He's a twiner. It's better than being a twerp. He's a twiner. Can I beat Brother Joe one one time this year. So anyway, I, I did a little bit of research on ours and goes back. 
And, you know, about the same time that they were wondering if they were presidential and went back to mine and found out my, my seventh great-grandmother was the daughter of John Adams and her brother was John Quincy Adams. <laughs> but, you know, blood tests will give you keys to who you are. And I want you to know if you're born of God, a blood test will show your sons and daughters of God and your pedigreed. You're pedigreed all the way back to, to Jesus Christ, back to the day of Pentecost. Amen. Where you can see where you entered this line and you've got a right to this inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And me, I can trace myself back to the Pilgrim Fathers. I can trace myself back to Plymouth Rock. But I tell you something greater than that. I can trace myself back to the Book of Acts. I can trace myself back to the same Holy Ghost. I can trace myself back to a title, a title deed. And it's all mine. Peter was a Pentecostal. Paul was a Pentecostal. The 12 apostles were a Pentecostal. Hallelujah. And I've been filled with the same Holy Ghost that came down on the day of Pentecost. And I've got an inheritance. And the Holy Ghost, by blood test, has opened the book to me. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. As the musicians come, he says, you know, I like to see a pedigree Christian. He said, and a mule is a hybrid. He don't know who he is. He's a mix between a horse and a donkey. Amen. He's a hybrid. He don't know his pappy or who his mammy is. Amen. You tell him, you tell him uh, the word of God, and he says, honk, 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 with his big old long ear, days of miracles are past. You know, you know, all of these things that he, he does because he's a mule, and he's got a hybrid religion, and he don't know his pappy or who his mammy is. But that ain't you. You're a pedigree Christian. You know who you are. You know where you come from. Hallelujah. And I didn't come from Plymouth Rock. I came from glory, and I'm going back to glory. Amen. God is my father. I know who I am. I'm a son of God. And he gives me a whole checkbook. And I know how to write out checks. Brother Branham tells us in the Laodicean age, and this is in his message. Let me quote it from him. He said, I like to see a real pedigreed Christian not packing his letter. He's a Methodist last week and a Baptist this week and a Pentecostal this week and a Pilgrim Holiness next week. He don't know who his pappy or his mammy is. But let me tell you, 
A man that's born of the Spirit of God can take you plumb back to the day of Pentecost, can tell you he's pedigreed Pentecostal. Amen. I want to be Pentecost from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I don't mean denominational Pentecost. I mean the real power of the resurrected Christ, the real Pentecostal blessing. Hallelujah. When I see the book open, I see it open right here to the same thing they had in the book of Acts. The same power, the same Holy Ghost, the same Jesus. Hallelujah. Won't you give him a clap offering this morning? Just praise him. seen your name in the book of redemption when it was open did you see yourself there you see yourself every promise that it's for you it's for your children for them that are far off even as many as the lord our god shall call this is the apostolic age and it will not cease until we're called home blessed be the name of the lord love him with all your heart now Praise Him again this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. You love the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's worship Him together with all of our hearts like we're free. Amen. Worship Him like you have something to thank Him for. Amen. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,